Yo, what's good? Welcome to Counter Currents. This is your host, Petey Steele. And your co-host, Elena Torres. And this is another Zoom one, so that means we have more time, which is the best. And our guest today, listen, here's the thing. Petey and I don't agree a lot on new comics. And not new, but newer than Petey and I. Like, we really don't agree a lot. Like, Petey will tell me someone has potential, and I'll see them, and I'll be like, trash. And then I'll tell Petey, this person has potential. Petey will be like, trash. But this next guest is someone who's newer than both of us, but we've agreed on from day one, not just as a comedian, but also as a not asshole cool person to hang out with. So everybody, please welcome Jenny Questel. Thanks for having me, both of you. I'm super excited to be here. And I'm so excited that you've validated my potential and that I'm not an asshole. No, you're not an asshole. You are the business of a lot of assholes. (laughs) I mean, you're a little bit of an asshole, but like in the way that we like. Yeah. In the likable way for us. We connect. We're all we're assholes, right? So we like connect in the assholes. But in the like true comedian assholes, like not at all. No, I, I, in like a moment of like drunken anxiety one time, I was talking to fellow comic and dear friend Christine O'Day and I was like, Christine, does everyone in the scene like me? Like, do they, like, do they think I'm nice? And she was like, Jenny, everyone likes you, but no one thinks you're nice. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this answer will haunt me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that's the best answer. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go, Christine. DM, you don't write anymore. We used to have such fun not being nice and backbiting people together. Oh, yeah. You did? Once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes we'd be be rude. I've never talked shit with Jenny yet. It's always like just girly compliments and musical theater DMs. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm just like, I don't want Elena to think ill of me. Like, (laughs) no. You should ask me about the shit I say. We'll talk about it afterwards. I try to keep it under wraps a little bit. Yeah, we all do. We all do. That's, yeah. that's the right way to go. We all do, but we all know everybody else. Yeah, no, everyone knows, but like you just don't want to be like <laughs> talking about like it. Spot, talking like an asshole. And something that has happened to me is that I told <laughs> it was after this podcast. I told someone after the podcast, like, oh, this is the person that I hate the most. And then I, like, texted like, photos making fun of that person. Because I was like, now you know the truth. So here's these photos of this person that I hate. And I got, like, no response because I think they're, like, good friends. And I was like, oops. And you're like, oh, no. Photos making fun, you know, of, like, stupid shows. Like, look at what an idiot this guy is. Like, they're, like, they're like that's my boyfriend. Yeah, yes. Basically. <laughs> Who would even talk to this guy? <laughs> no, I did that too. I did that thing like one time um, where, you know, I was talking shit about like one friend to another, not in, not in comedy, like outside of it. And I sent a screenshot of my text exchange with my friend. I was talking shit about like to him. Oh. Like, he's, like so dumb. He was like, why'd you screenshot that? <laughs> I was like, oh, I was speaking ill of you in the group chat. You yeah. <laughs> said, like, like, oh, look, here's what we were just talking about. Yeah, and he was like, <laughs> he was like, what? I'm so confused. I was like, a girl would have known exactly what yeah, was going Yeah, exactly. On. Yeah. You're lucky that it was a dude. You yeah. got to smooth it over. Any girl would be like, oh, 
I see how it is. Yeah, yeah, that would have been bad, but. I would have just screenshotted and sent it back, be like, I'm doing it too, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, we're, we're both talking shit about each other. Let's go to Sometimes you gotta bet. Sometimes you gotta bet. Mutually assured destruction. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so by the way, speaking of uh, mutually assured destruction, so you've got this podcast about uh, The Bachelorette right now. It used to yeah. be The Bachelor, but now it's The Bachelorette, correct? Yeah. We do, like, all of the Bachelor franchise. Um, Well, I prefer to just do The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Um, Yeah, so it's with uh, Martin Phillips, and it's called Rosé and Thorns. Um, So we just kicked that off this week with a preview episode. And actually, very excitingly enough, um, another comic, Jamal Russell, is kicking us off with some fresh takes about women. Um, (laughs) (laughs) really good we had him on this summer um and we watched because we were doing some rom-coms over the summer when we did a hiatus and um we watched when harry met sally which is jamal's favorite rom-com and then he came on just electric hot takes Mm -hmm. um i think my favorite quote was that's because women are bitches who ain't shit so we're, we're really looking forward to what Jamal has to say about our bachelorette and her quest to find true love. Right. I'm surprised that he said that about When Harry Met Sally, which I also agree is one of the best rom-coms ever. I like loved it and I hadn't seen it before. So I was coming. Yeah, I know. So I hadn't seen it before and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. And he like hate watches these things. What? Oh, yeah, so he, he like gets mad. He like doesn't them. want them to be together at the end. And I was like, Jamal, that's crazy. It's a rom-com. And he was like, no, like, <laughs> like she didn't deserve him. Like, I don't want to see this. What? He's such an asshole in that movie. Like, yeah, I know. The guy is such a dick. Yeah, and Jamal's, like, still stuck on the fact that the woman that, like, Sally wanted, like, her dressing on the side at the restaurant, like, at the beginning of the oh, movie. Like, yeah. he's stuck on, yeah, he's, like, like, yeah, she's a Karen or whatever. I was, like, okay, like, that's, like, one bad moment. But, like, it's not a bad moment. It's, like, how do you, okay, now, now I'm pissed. Yeah. Because I order dressing on the side. I, I, just, I want someone to fuck up my salad. Yes, <laughs> I get a lot of looks. I order dressing on the side. I also don't eat dairy. So like, yeah, my order is like. Some people simply can't have dairy. because Also, right. it makes your skin so much better if you're off dairy. Right. Yeah, I cut out dairy for two months. Dairy. Like yeah. I can tolerate it, but as soon as I cut it out, my life greatly improved. Yeah. And it's just like, but here's the thing. Like, and I think Karl Lagerfeld has a really good quote about this where it's like, Men want women to be hot, but then they get mad that like women want guys for money. But do you know, Elena, this is what I've been saying. You know how expensive it is to be hot and the constant work you have to do. Like, if you want a hot girl, she's likely gonna have to get her dressing on the side sometimes. Yeah, no, and men like are like, oh, I want like a real girl. I want a girl who like will eat like a burger and a shake. And I'm like, do you know what that makes you look like over time? Right. I do because I've been deeply depressed. Right. Right. I've had every eating order you can eating disorder you can imagine, including the ones where you overeat. And those are the times where it's like you don't look that good. It's like don't these expectations are crazy. You can't win. You cannot win. Yeah. It's really difficult. Yeah. So I've got that podcast and I actually have a new podcast coming out in November. 
I'm okay. going, yeah, I'm going solo on this one. So it's called Call Back with Jenny Questel. And this is a podcast um, I'm doing on the arts industry. So I'm going to have like some, I'll have the occasional comic on, um, but I'm planning, you know, kind of a broader audience of like musicians um, I know and have worked with. And then um, a couple of like producers and folks from Broadway. Um, yeah, so it's kind of the way I'm framing it. It's kind of like, I'm trying to do a mix of people like in the weeds of it, you know, the twenties and thirties people kind of at the beginning of their career. And then a couple of seasoned people to talk about what it was like when they were just getting started. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. I'm really excited. Um, I have my first two guests lined up and I'm really excited about them. So Hmm? Can you say who they are? I can't say who they are yet, but. Wow. Yeah. So, but you, you've done a lot of stuff in other areas of arts. Like you still, you work with the Kennedy Center. My day job is at the Kennedy Center. So um, yeah, so right now I work on their targeted campaigns and um, yeah, I've been working on like endowment fundraising there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up like playing the violin I played the violin for years and years and years and so I have like a classical music background and then I did a lot of theater um, and then I did competitive public speaking for eight years um, and so in that I did some events that were more like humorous um, and so it kind of enabled me both to um, like learn how jump into comedy and know how to like write a joke write a punchline and also get used to like having shit handed to me before I entered stand up. So like I knew what it was like to bombing isn't the same there because I feel like audiences like no one's drunk, but like you still learn what it's like to feel very bad about yourself in front of people <laughs> and it can help to come into comedy already having experienced that. So you're like, oh like I've known this before and yeah, it's not necessarily, you know, intellectually, it's not necessarily a, like a reflection of your worth as a person, but. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Would you bombing on stage is worse or losing a debate? So I never debated. I just did like, yeah, I did. So the event I did in high school and was good at was called humorous interpretation. And that's more like acting. So it's like a 10 minute kind of like, let's just say one woman show. And then I did a bunch of stuff in college, but the one I will say um, was like the, the most, um, the most close to, to stand up was called after dinner speaking. And that's like a humorous, um, you know, like 10 minute speech. Um, so yeah, and there are like a couple of people, like there are a couple of people I know who like did public speaking who are comics now. Um, oh, really? yeah, yeah. So I know like a couple of different people like across the country. And I mean like Beth Stelling like did this, like she did interpretation in high school. Yeah. So like if you, there, there are a handful of people who are like well-known and just like other comics and stuff. I think Nathan Luft like casually did it in high school. Um, Have you ever no. seen a documentary about it that came out a few years ago? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My, two, of my, two of my friends made that. Oh, really? I yeah. think I know some of the kids, like I knew vaguely some of the people like, in it. 
I think they were older than me at the time. If it's the same documentary, I think yeah, they're. I think it's like the only one. My friends, my two girls that I went to college with, they actually took a year off <laughs> to work on that documentary. They That's did, super did it cool. while we were in college and afterwards because they were good friends from that, and then they both were in theater school with oh, me. Really if cool. it's the one, I mean, I don't think there's that many other documentaries about. And it came out like probably a few years ago. And they made yeah. it, making it for years. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one. Yeah, I think it was like a bunch of people. They might have been like senior as a freshman or something like that. But yeah, they got followed basically. Yeah. And yeah, it was like it was like kind of funny too because they were like, yeah, I like don't sleep. I'm like so into this, like whatever. And I'm like, yep, that was that was my high school experience. Yeah, I skipped prom to go to like the awards ceremony because I thought I would win state. Yeah, it was crazy. I was such a loner. I was such a loner. Yeah. I was a weird kid. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fine. It was a cool did you have you were a loner? Like you didn't have, like, what would you do after school? You like, just like go home, I guess, do like all this debate stuff. You didn't have a lot of friends in high school. Like I had like, all of my friends were like connected to that, like one activity. So, um, but also like I had a job at the public library. So obviously. Yeah. <laughs> It's so cool. So yeah, I go like work at the library and like I but like I was I was bad like I wanted to be bad though. Like I want to be clear. So any chance I had to be bad, I would take it. Like I'm sure if anyone had offered me drugs, I would have been gone. Like so Wait, I didn't No, I just didn't get <laughs> I wanted yeah, I wanted to be there, but I just like didn't know where to go. Right. Um, <laughs> The library would have been the perfect place to mule drugs, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, for real. Right? For real. Yeah, I know. It was, it was dumb. And, yeah, and it was, like, so, like, the good – so, I made really good grades. I was, like, really smart. But it was, like, the other kids who were, like, in that, like, the good kids, like, they didn't want to fuck with me because I, like, wanted to be bad. But then, like, the actual cool people were, like, not this nerd. So, that left, like – three people for me to like really hang out with but yeah <laughs> so when did you when did you break out of your shell and you know st start doing drugs did you decide later on that not not to or did you no, have college I didn't get offered any drugs until college and then I was like oh thank god okay <laughs> like <laughs> finally like so yeah I know and then I was like I was like all right cool like I can get marijuana like great <laughs> This is great. Yeah, I can I can drink. No, the first time I had a sip of alcohol was at speech and debate camp. Ah. Uh, and I was a counselor. Oh. So you were muling back then. Basically. Not for yeah, well, not for not for anyone else. No. And it was like I was like 18 and yeah, so I was a counselor at speech and debate camp. And yeah, and I was like, oh thank God. And then I was just getting like super drunk all the time. Just like yeah. At speech and debate camp. My first kiss was at speech and debate camp. Like, it's just a disaster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, yeah. So it's like, yeah. And those boys, those speech and debate boys, like, you think comedians are bad. Like, speech and debate boys are worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How so? Talk about an ego trip. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, so I met my DJ boyfriend doing competitive public speaking. Oh, that that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. So for yeah. those of you that haven't heard Jenny's comedy, there's there's a history of DJ boyfriends and DJ attraction. Do you think mm -hmm. you still have that 
in you? Are you still going for the DJs, musicians, and like, where are you at? Where am I at? I will say this. I will say this. This guy I was hooking up with for an extended period of time, I thought I was good, right? I thought I was good. He never mentioned an interest in music. And then he was like, oh, I've started like, I don't know, like music, like making like, like these music, he called it music producing, but it was making mixes. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> just like your pussy just screams DJ. You yeah, I know. I'm like, it's like the Midas touch. Only everything I touch turns into a loser. So. <laughs> it's just a particular kind. Just a DJ. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I mean, like, part of it was, like, I think part of my attraction to DJs is, like, I always desperately wanted to be cool, but I also right. always, like, value, like, being an artist. But, yeah. um, you know... <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I don't know, speaking from my own experience, I'm like a little bit older than you, but like a little bit. And <laughs> for a long time, I was like, those guys were my bread and butter. Like not just DJ, DJs, musicians, artists, yeah. like all that type of, just like, like fuck boys with tattoos, basically. Yeah. Like it's the same like the Friday guys that are like that are the same. And I think it was because I thought they were cool and interesting and mysterious. And really it was just that they were mentally ill. And then at some point that that like clicks in your brain. I think yeah. in like my late twenties, it like clicked in my brain. And then I I stuck to like only dudes that make me feel good about myself and think I'm the awesome artist. Like that's where we're gonna stick. Yeah, no, and that's so important to you. And I've been having this conversation with people a lot because I think stepping away from comedy since I can't go up every night doing indoor comedy. I've been lucky that I've been able to do like a lot of outdoor shows. Um, and I have my show, but I've been talking to people about like kind of taking this time uh to try and be like a little bit healthier about it all. Mm -hmm. And I've been um kind of like I was just talking about this with like a couple other comics about not wasting time thinking about people who aren't thinking about me and, oh, yeah. yeah and I think that goes for like relationships but also like producers or like other comics or, like worrying about who's getting what and it's like well why am I thinking about this because like they're not thinking about me so right. you know and also having the mentality of kind of like if you want something like you have the ability to create it so you know, doing that because I don't, I've realized too that like, I don't just care about like stand up. Like I care a lot about producing and learning what I can. And also, you know, being able to like book the lineups, like I'm really excited about and kind of like curating that experience for the audience because I think that's like satisfying in a different way. Um, and Elena, like you did um, me and Caitlin's show like recently. That was a great show. Everybody who, who's listening to this, you should go to the Living Room Show. It's a show that Johnny and another great comic, Caitlin McDevitt, who made me laugh so hard at that show. Um, awesome. It's a great, it's called the Living Room Show. And it's basically, it was in Caitlin's backyard, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And it was like so exciting. That was a lineup I was really excited about too, because I was like, oh, like we're basically like 
everyone has such a drastically different style. Yeah. And also, like the audience hasn't seen comedy in a long time. So like, I was like, oh, this is going to be like super fun. Um, yeah. So we're doing another one on October 24th at my house this time. Um, nice. And it's Halloween themed. So that should oh, be Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. I was very aggressive to the people booked on the show too, especially the male comics. Cause I know the girls will look good, but mm-hmm. I was like, you either need to look hot, scary, or funny. <laughs> but like don't show up looking busted right right it's gotta be a look yeah you gotta serve <laughs> like, a look yeah this needs it if anyone needs me to go to michael's arts and crafts i'm there every okay. week but like you will not look busted at my show <laughs> i love that i think it's interesting that you find that that you like that process of like curating the people and curating the experience because i've done my fair amount of like producing shows and that stresses me out Mm-hmm. so much it's really stressful it's really um, stressful yeah. and like somebody's gonna bump like every, even if you book like the greatest who people that you're like okay these people are the best comics i could possibly think of like somebody's not gonna do that well that's just the way comedy is like you could have that, that lineup with like dave Chappelle and chris rock and so, odds are somebody's gonna be a weaker link and it's so hard because it can be people that you never expect. And that would stress me out. I've people. honestly, that's so funny you yeah. mentioned that. Because I've honestly never worried about anyone bombing on my show. Really? Oh my God. I've never worried about it. Um, I don't know why. I just haven't. Because the way I see it is like, I worry about bombing when I'm like booked on a show. Like, and like, I just view it as it's not my job to worry about bombing. That's like on the comics. And if someone bombs on my show, I'm just like, well, you know, that it sucks it happened. But like. We have yellow shots here and they're really cute and like everything's pink. And I think that's true. Yeah. And I love like running the show with Caitlin too, because like we, um, we kind of like learn together Mm -hmm. and I started like a a little bit before her, um, in comedy, but we kind of like come up together and, Mm -hmm. um, we were both, um, like hosting for Capital Laughs at the same time, um, pre COVID. And yeah, she's like super great to work with. And she is like a very like analytical mind. And so we worry about different things. Huh? Oh my God, a dog. Sorry, my dog just <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm always very excited to see a dog. Um, but yeah, like she, we kind of like worry about different things, but we like complement each other pretty well. Um, so it's a really great partnership and I feel lucky to have it but yeah I mean I just like really I honestly it's so weird like I worry about just people having a good time the whole time yeah yeah I'm just like is everyone having fun like what can I do who needs a white claw like right right yeah that's that's the that's the better approach because it's like as long as people have like jello shots can fix any bomb Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, like, am, like, oh, can, like, I don't know, I just, like, want the comics to feel, like, really good about themselves, and, like, to, be, to like, take hot photos and post them on Instagram. And you just, do like, that. You, you do that. Caitlin is also very talented at, like, people doing stand-up. Yeah. She's taking some of the best, like, she took a photo of her, like, nine months pregnant, and I look, and I did not look like that in person. Oh, well, Alina, like, I didn't believe you were pregnant for so long. I thought it was a bit, like, really. And I, like, remember turning to someone at Draft House one time, and I was like, God, Alina looks better five months pregnant than I will in my entire life. Stop. And I want to be clear, too, that, like, I'm eating Pringles, like, while I'm seeing it's clearly, like, not doing anything to change that. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, you were like, and that was, you were one of the first people like I saw do comedy, like when I started. Really? Yeah, because I would go to Draft House when I started, but I wouldn't sign up. I would just watch. Yeah, I did that for like six months. And then um, I lurked places. I figured out where all the good spots were. And then I didn't go back to them for like, in some cases, two years and just grinded outside the city because I didn't want anyone to see me until I had like, five minutes I felt good about. That's a really cool approach. Yeah. Don did the same thing and he told me about that later on and he became fantastic. And I give that same advice. I don't necessarily say lurk, but I tell everybody, go to the little shitty places and try to perform and put five minutes together. Don't come around the draft house or the hunt or whatever unless you're yeah. ready to throw down. And a lot of people don't listen and then they're not around in three months, you know? Yeah, so I didn't try to go up at Draft House until I was, like, two years in. And wow. then I just, like, yeah, I just, like, went up. Yeah, and then I just, like, started going places. Or, like, who, like, who are you? I was, like, scared of everyone. I was, like, oh, because I'm so, I was always such a loser. And I'm, like, oh, comedy is so cool. Like, because it, that's how it feels at comedy. Like, sometimes it's, like, oh, wow, I'm on a lineup with all of my bullies. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah that's what I had. I had, I, I sometimes I really miss being a new comic because I had the opposite attitude. My ego was out of control when I started comedy. Really? I like, yeah. I didn't like share it with other people, but I actually started in New York because I figured that I lived here, but I figured obviously there's no comedy in Washington, D.C. <laughs> You're like, not for Mexico me. City and LA. And I was like, nobody does comedy here. <laughs> obviously I'm going to have to do it in New York. So I started doing like some pretty sad mics in New York. And then I was like, okay, you have to do it more. Cause I was going up like once a week and yeah. I was like, you have to go, you have to do comedy more than once a week. So I was like, let me find some like shitty place to just practice in DC, mm -hmm. but like everyone's going to suck. Like I have all this acting experience. Obviously I'm going to be the best one. So I actually, my first mic in DC was, uh, I was, I had the bringer spot at Wonderland Ballroom, which is an underground show. Oh, and the lineup was so good. Yeah. <laughs> and I was last and it was, it was like, it was like one person after the other. I was like, Oh, that person was actually really good. I remember Simone hosted and mm -hmm. I was like, one after the other, I was like, that person was really good. That person, I remember like Wendy Robleski went up and I was like, that chick is so funny. So by the time I went on, I was so nervous Yeah, because I was like, Wonderland gets like packed out too. That yeah. was honestly one of my favorite spots. Yeah. Like I loved doing like the early show at St. X and then like walking over to Wonderland. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that would be intimidating yeah I was very like I was very scared by the time it was my turn and it was like one one after the other one after the other and then I went up and I kind of blacked out during my set I had like I my first five minutes I had it like very written out so I did it like a monologue because I it was like an acting background so I just like wrote out five minutes and did it like a monologue and so I kind of like blacked out and I brought so many people that I thought I did really well and I yeah. got off and Chandra's was like, good job. Has never said that to me since. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I was like, oh man, this is it. 
at first I was really nervous. And then I was like, this is great. And then it took like a couple of months for my ego to like really turn down. Like I thought I was going to have a Netflix special in two years. That's so funny. That's so funny. That's so funny too that you bring up Sean Joyce because like that was one of the people that I knew what all of like the main bookers like in the city like looked like before I ever because I was like I need to know who everyone who books looks like so I don't do anything weird in front of them Mm -hmm. because like that's my social anxiety. So I knew like I knew like like Randolph and Andy and like Sean and Jack Coleman and like Mm -hmm. all of these people. Um and I, and one time it really paid off because I was barking for Capital Laughs and Sean Joyce walked by and I didn't like, you know, say, you want to come to this comedy show? Yeah. I was like, I'm glad I'm so like crazy. Yeah. No, approach is the right approach to start comedy. Like if anybody's, if anybody's listening to this and thinking about starting comedy, don't go with my approach. Go with Jenny's <laughs> Yeah, and I said, I was saying to people, too, because I was, like, hanging out with, like, comics this weekend, because I was, like, you know, I never thought I was going to do stand-up. I just, like, you know, I'd always been a performer, and then it was, like, I was out of college, and I didn't have that outlet anymore, but, like, working in a performing arts space, and, like, after a while, I was, like, well, I I wanted to try stand-up, because, like, I was always kind of, like, weirdly funny, and I was like, and stand up something you can do by yourself, right? You don't have to rely on other people. And so I was like, oh, I'll just like try it. And like, I ended up like going up at the pinch. It went like far better than it should have. And then like, they were like, hey, you should do the showcase next week. I was like, okay. And so then I started doing it and then like had my first bomb like four times in. And I was like, Okay, and then I started my trek out of the city to get good, but yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the right thing. That's the right approach to do. I mean, what I love about stand-up and what I've learned is like, you can have whatever background you want. You have to do it a lot. Yeah. And that's honestly coming from like a music background and stuff. I think that I never was like, oh, like, I deserve this, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, like, I work for this. And then, like, the reward is that I get to do, like, better and better rooms. And, like, that's, like, coming from, I think, like, violin is, like, all right, like, I have to, like, continually earn this, like, every day. Um, And, yeah, I mean, like, I was saying to someone, too, I was like, I don't really... Like, obviously, like, I have dreams and stuff, but I don't get too caught up in, like, oh, this, like, like, I have to get this one thing, like, or, you know, because I had, um, I had, like, a good friend um, who actually I work with at the Kennedy Center, and her dad is a music professor, and she always told me this thing that he said that was basically, like, whenever she would get disappointed about something, he would be like, all right, well, you can't have that, so what else do you want? And that's something I say to myself like every day. And it's been really helpful during the pandemic because I got caught up in this like, all I want is indoor comedy. All I want is like St. X and Big Hunt and Draft House and all these places to open. I just want to like be back. And then I was like, finally, I was just like, okay, well, like what else do you want? And so like, you know, eventually I like got out of depression. I wrote like, I wrote a 20 minute comedy and now I'm like Mm -hmm. trying to like produce that later. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So 
Yeah, I think that's a lot of, I mean, that's a feeling that I think a lot of comics, a lot of us have gone through where it was just like sort of these phases and so many people have to pivot because mm-hmm. it's like, this is going for the long haul. Like when this first happened for me, I was like, perfect, more maternity leave. Because in the beginning I started, com- I started doing comedy and I've talked about this on this podcast a lot. I started doing comedy way too soon after having a baby. I was a hormonal mess. I was it was mess. crazy to see you back so soon too. I remember I saw you at um, Beer Baron and I was like, one, she looks incredible. <laughs> like what the fuck to like, I cannot believe like, I mean, Elena, you went back to like doing stand up like after having a baby like sooner than I would after getting like an IUD. Like, <laughs> Jenny, you can't do this. So what else do you want? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I want to do stand up. Yeah, literally my advice is never do that. I was not, I was, I was in bad bad emotional shape yeah you're just you're just insane after you have a kid like even if I felt like physically kind of ready to do comedy like my brain was not ready yeah so in the beginning I was like oh good (laughs) and that lasted like two months and then I was like oh shit and then I waited and now it's just kind of like you just have to pivot yeah. You know, just like sending a lot of emails to people being like, hey, are you shooting something? Hey, are you, you know, like trying to figure out like as many things as you can to do, you know, because we, we all, we have to, because unfortunately yeah. this is going for the long haul. And I think it's one of the industries, I mean, this along with like Broadway, it's probably like some of the heaviest hit. Yeah, I think um, comedy has the real advantage though when things are like able to like safely reopen and that it's so cheap to produce a comedy show. 100%. Um, that I think a lot of places, I think like theaters too, that are used to presenting other stuff are going to try and book comedians. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I also think people are really going to want it. Yeah. People like really, people are very interested. Um, (laughs) like people are, have been like asking me and I'm kind of weird too, where it's like when I'm producing something, I'm like, yeah, I want everyone I know to come. But when I'm just like doing a show I'm like I want there to be lots of people there just no one I know right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah same I have to I was like Petey this the other day at a, at a mic you remember Petey when Petey was like what he asked me he was like what comedy stuff do you and your husband fight about like and I was like honestly the only thing is bringing people because he always trying to bring husband's very going and he has a lot of friends and he's always trying to bring like huge groups yeah like comedy shows i'm like no like i do not and especially like draft house on sat because available yeah always trying to bring huge i was like you don't understand like i don't know what number i'm gonna be like people get very drunk it's late i'm also like i'm here for work i'm here to talk to comics like no I know I've had friends come I've had friends come to draft house late and I regretted it and I asked them like not to come back because they got too drunk and they were like they were like hitting on like a married comic and stuff and I was like I was like don't you dare come back here and do this like I was like I was like if you ever tell anyone I I like yelled at them I was like if you ever tell anyone that you're with Jenny Questel at any room in the city again like I will 
I had to throw a comic out of the Arlington draft house who came drunk to the open mic. And I've known this guy for years and I met him cause I'm sober in AA, but he relapsed and came and said, I got to see you do comedy, you know, jumped up on stage. Was like, Peace. I was like, dude, I got to like, and then Randolph, I think kind of ushered him out and then gave him a talking to, and then I went and threw him out and then he sobered up and now he works at the big hut. So, oh, no the, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a bar back. So he found his Oh, call. wow, that's funny. <laughs> wow. Big Hunt, the first time I went up at Big Hunt, I had, two, I had there are two really good friends of mine who, like, stayed until, like, 1.30 to, like, watch me go up for the first time because they were so excited. Yeah, they are they're so excited for me. Um, but, yeah, I don't – I've run into people I know at Big Hunt um but like I've never like brought anyone when I was going up I will say I've I've run into a guy that I was like hooking up with at the time on a date with another girl <gasps> no yeah when I was on yeah no it was like outrageous yeah and yeah it was so outrageous and I hadn't told him I did stand up because I mean it was like yeah it was like early yeah, and so he like sees me, and he sees me, and his face is like not. And then I go up, <laughs> and it was like, what the fuck? That's fucking amazing. Yeah, and I was, it was, yeah. Did you look yeah. at him while he was with the other girl? No, it was so funny. But like, people are talking about it a little bit afterwards. And Sean asked me, he was like, "What did you do?" Like. <laughs> I was like nothing and people were like people were like did you like a did you say something in your set and I was like god no I'm trying to have a good set I'm not derailing it over a boy yeah no no not during the set but you should you should have gone up like after because especially after you go up and if you you do well the best is if you have the girl that he's with be like oh my god you were so funny yeah, no, I just like, yeah, that, w- that would have been, that would have been bad. Yeah, but it was funny. It was a good, like, I ended up using that tape for a while, but it was like, so funny. it was like every single time I was like, oh yeah. And they were like in the second row. So maybe she did leave me like, God, that girl was so funny. I hope so. I think that'd be so funny. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever speak to that guy again or no? Uh, I think that like we... This is like a year ago. Yeah, I mean, like, I had texted him, and I was like, yeah, like, this isn't, I'm not, like, doing that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, if you're going to be, like, at comedy shows, like, I'm not, it's weird, so, yeah. yeah. So he's never going to comedy ever again. <laughs> yeah, I know, and it's like, I can't exactly ban someone I'm casually seeing from going to Big Hunt. That's kind of outrageous, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, and I was like, yeah, I do stand up and like, I do it every night. So like, I could be literally any room, you know, you could be on a date. Like, Oh, if anybody I was casually seeing showed up at the big hunt, I'd dump them in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh my God. I was also like kind of mad too. Cause I think big hunts, like going to see a comedy show at big hunts, like a great date. And I was like, well, he never invited me to see comedy. At big yeah. That's, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, what, does he not think I'm fun? Like, why wouldn't he invite me to see? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd look great in that lighting. Yeah, fuck? I was like, what? <laughs> like, I love Big Hunt. I'm there all the time. But 
yeah, I know, outrageous. So, yeah, it's just wow. dating. That's a really good comedy story. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So speaking of dating, I got questions about this new season of The Bachelorette because being yeah, on this podcast was the only reason I would do this homework anyway. So I haven't I, watched this week yet. So. Oh, you have? Okay, I haven't watched any of it. I just yeah, I was like, I don't think you're watching it, Petey, but I'm just letting you know. (laughs) Absolutely not, and especially after finding out that The Bachelorette is like a runner-up from the previous season of The Bachelor. One of yeah, they always are. Oh, they are. Yeah, you got to get in the franchise as a contestant, and then you get to like. It's basically an audition to see like what you're like as a host. Oh, I didn't. I thought it was a clean slate every time. I, I didn't know nepotism going Katie, on. Let me explain to you the Bachelor franchise. All of these people are on all of the shows, and they're also like all fucking each other too. It's just like crazy. Yeah. 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 When I heard she was a runner-up on a previous one, I was like, it doesn't sound very American, you know, to have a loser um, show up as the prize next season. Um, he's like Petey's like the real virus in America is uh, <laughs> how they're choosing the, the who the Bachelorette is. That is, it's the process. Yeah, but then I gotta be honest. When I looked at the contestants, I was like, now it makes sense. Um, one of the guys is like a male grooming specialist as an occupation. Does that mean like barber? Or is that like an old? EYN for men. Is this the first time you've ever looked at the contestants, PD? Because, like, I will admit, I'm telling you, yeah, they're fight. always like this, but we do have some real douche canoes on this one. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, and it's fun, too, because they're like a little older this time, which is just mwah to me because I love to see like a 36 year old, like, yeah. aspiring spin instructor. Like, that is delicious to me. Yeah, that amount of failure is actually just just what you need. Yeah, no, and like the 39-year-olds that are like, yeah, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a DJ. There's a DJ on this season, yeah. Like, my name's Easy, I'm a DJ. Like, (laughs) sign me up. Yeah, there's a guy named Easy on it, spelled like Easy E, the rapper. And I was like, no way. And then I realized the first three letters of his last name are NWA. He's like Nigerian, like Easy Nwachakwo or something. Yeah, Easy's not actually the DJ. Um, I forget who the DJ, but yeah, there's like a spin instructor. There's like one guy who's like a professor. Um, who's 34, he's a professor, and he produces music concerts. And I'm like, why are you on this show? Like, go to therapy and then leave because you can find someone. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love his business. Like, there was another contestant, an African-American gentleman in his bio line, like, he admits that punctuality is not his strong suit. And I was like, I appreciate his honesty, but that's kind of a negative reinforcement of a pretty ugly stereotype. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say punctuality is one thing that I think has served me very well in comedy because I'm like very good at that because I wasn't good at that for a long time and I had to get good at that. And so I cannot like tolerate it in like dating kind of 
And it's like, but it's like, I, I'm attracted to people that are kind of like, like that because I can be a little, you know, like uptight, I guess. Um, (laughs) that was painful for me to admit. Like I am attracted to that. And I'm like, you're going to have to change. Like, this is, I'm like, you have to add a buffer. I'm like 15 minute buffer. Right. Yeah. Already fifteen earlier. Late. I'm like, or you can just move in, and like, I'll take you everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Just kidding. I like, I like my space. <laughs> Petey's like, sure. Yeah. What's the deal with uh with uh, your co-host right now? Is he still running homes for hounds or what? Martin. Yeah. He's working for the census right now. No, 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 not his job, but wasn't he like a, um, talking about, uh, he was housing somebody who had like a a rescue dog or something to that effect. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Never mind. I have no idea. Maybe I've been informed. Well, he's sometimes selective about like information he'll tell me if he thinks I'll be like disapproving. So yeah, sometimes I won't get like the full story. Um, and then like I'll hear bits and pieces of it and I'm like oh like that makes sense now but yeah a lot of my friends are like that with me I've really had to work on my my like judgment (laughs) I don't feel like I'm judgy I just say my opinion yeah a lot of my friends stop telling me stuff because they're like well you're gonna judge me for it I'm, I'm like so what do you want me to tell you you know that like dating the guy that you met while he was like doing his community service on the beach is a good idea like I I, like laugh at that but like that's so like a Jenny Questel like thing like no it's gonna like work this time like no he's obviously working on getting better how like he's making changes like it's gonna be fine (laughs) something that I'm really I'm really trying to work on like not saying that and especially like my husband is very he's very like cool about that kind of thing and I just say when I think something's weird I just say so it's hard though and I've gone through that with friends recently where it's like it's coming from such a place of like I love you I believe it I and I believe in you and I want like the best stuff for you but you are making like choices that you know that like I don't like, I'm nervous for you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I get it. But it's like, I know I've been in that position and I've had so many friends frustrated with me. And it's kind of right. like, you got to take that on your own journey. You know, right. I've been very like self-helpy lately. You know, I keep saying things and I'm like, where is my book deal? <laughs> <laughs> I say in my basement apartment that like. <laughs> <laughs> it's the pandemic way. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. No, I feel like i I don't know. I, but the thing is, some people react differently. Like when I look back and when I was making shitty choices and I had friends who were like, hey, you're fucking up. And I fucked up anyway. I like those friends to me, I like extra appreciate them. Yeah. In the long run. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of people don't appreciate it like ever. It's hard. It's yeah. really hard. Yeah. It's hard in the moment because I was in like, a bad relationship for a long time and I had so many friends try and get me out of it right and like it was just like it was something I had to go through yeah but, I mean I had friends at the time that were just like I can't deal with you like while you're in this 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So that is, I, I, I'm grateful I went through something like that because I think that like it does, you know, a perspective when I'm dealing with people, but like now it's so hard to watch someone like just repeating their mistakes or repeating your mistakes, you right. know, because I'm like, well, I did this like two years ago and I'd really like for you to not have to go through it, but right. it's like, yeah. you're like 27, right? I, Petey, a lady never reveals her. Yeah, I was going to say, Petey, what are you doing? No, 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 no. It's an important question just to speak to the point that if you're in like the mid-20s range right now, you're going to have a lot more relationships, I think, with people that might be going through more shit like this. That's my general age range. I won't give you a number. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I respect that entirely. But yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, like, totally. I've had like, Yeah. No, it's hard. But like, once you make one good decision, it's so easy to make another. Like I had that happen this summer and I was like, oh my God, I made, I made a good choice. And then I started making others and now I'm like happy. It's weird. <laughs> the snowball effect. Yes, yeah, indeed. Yeah, how that works out. Oh no, totally. And yeah, it's like, I don't know. And it's cool too, because I think one of the great silver linings about the pandemic um, for me is that I've gotten to do things with comics, like outside of comedy, which mm -hmm. has been really fun. And just like getting to like hang out with your friends sometimes is important, you know, just like not being in a basement. All you know? the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. And like, because that was one trap I fell into. Um, and I mean, it's good to work hard and it's good to right. grind and it's good to be dedicated and all of those things. But, you know, like sometimes I was like, I was missing birthdays. I was, you know, missing others. I was like missing things I really shouldn't have missed. Um, and, or I was trying to do everything. And I have a tendency to be like in Harry Potter with like Hermione and the time turner where like, if I had a time turner, like I would go off the rails with it. Mm -hmm. um but yeah but then like when everything was gone like those were the people that were like there for me and I was like well I gotta make sure I'm like showing up for all the people who show up for me because like people have really shown up for me in a big way so that's awesome. learned so many lessons yeah like, <laughs> so many lessons while we can't fucking do comedy yeah yeah it's like I was uh, watching the the debate a couple weeks ago or and uh which was a, which was terrible. And the whole debate, I was just like, can one of these guys just at least pretend to tell me like when we can do comedy? I don't give a fuck about any issue. Like, please, when can I do Yeah, I'm just like, can someone please? I used to be so like, I was reading all the research on everything and like trying to run my own simulations about when I thought yeah. things would be back. And then like, I just sort of like stopped doing that. And I've just doubled down and gotten into like cook like I was always into cooking like mm -hmm. I'm a huge cook but just like really getting into cooking and making like fancy sandwiches and stuff what's the fanciest sandwich you've made well I like to really go like on every sandwich I make I'm putting like roasted red pepper I'm putting like fig jam you know okay. I've got like some other stuff but my favorite sandwich I make is um a blueberry balsamic Harvati grilled cheese. Yeah. Oh, shit. When I was in college, there's this BuzzFeed article called 30 grilled cheeses that are better than a boyfriend. And I've made <laughs> all of them. 
that's the best list I think BuzzFeed's ever made. I, yeah, it's incredible. And yeah, so I make this like, I make my own like blueberry balsamic reduction on the stove and I just use a whole container of blueberries and I put it in a jar, like what I don't use. I put it on steak. I made a delightful salad dressing from it. Yeah. Wow. I'm really just on your podcast to promote that, like, I'm not just, like, a comic, like, I'm also a poet, and, you know, I could be a wife, so we'll see. <laughs> Try all 30 of them. You may never need that boyfriend. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, yeah, so I've been doing that. I have, like, a patio now, and I'm about to get some plants this weekend. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been getting into plants in my house. That's been that's been a new thing. We have no space for plants, but we've been getting into plants. Yeah. Oh, I've read so many books over the pandemic, too. But I spent over $1,200 on books, like, like, the last calendar year. And so I was like, I'm going cold turkey. We're only going to the library. But everyone else had the same idea so I've been like 300th on the waiting list for things wow what what's your what what book do you recommend that you've read um this is like are you are you down with like a sad read obviously yeah okay I've got um have you heard of normal people by Sally Rooney yeah it's a it's a a, show on Hulu yeah it's a Hulu series now yeah oh wonderful um, An American Marriage by um, Tiari Jones is one of my favorites, too. Um, let's see. what. Else. Oh, I you read Ali Wong's. Like, yes. Yeah. It's really great. That was great. That was really great. Yeah, that was really awesome. Um, yeah, and then I have, like, yeah, I'm just, like, I'm always reading something. I'm reading Sally Rooney's other book right now, Conversations with Friends. And I'm going to finish it because I bought it um, because I didn't stay on the wait list. I was bad. And, um, but it's about two poets that are just like insufferable. Uh, Yeah. It's like weird. There's like, I think kind of like a group sex element to it. And I just like don't have the patience for that right now. (laughs) Yeah. Group sex is just way. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's just like not something. I'm trying to do but, okay. yeah all right well we want to thank Jenny for doing the episode with us thanks for coming on countercurrents thank you so uh, much for having me check out all her podcast that she's talked about check out her living room show if you want to go see some great comedy I highly recommend that show yeah follow um yeah the living room show DC everyone yeah tell your tell your friends I'm not crazy and uh <laughs> Mean mean grilled cheese. Yeah, mean grilled cheese. Yeah. And I'm at Jenny is messy on all social media. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Thanks for doing it. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. This was so fun.